Welcome to Make It Click, a podcast about training, enriching, and loving your canine best friend. I'm Liz Knight, certified professional dog trainer, here to share stories and info on all things dog. Building a training relationship and navigating life with your dog is an exciting time, but can quickly become overwhelming for many of us. I'm here to share dog knowledge, share stories, and break down info for you. I'm here to help make it click. In this episode, we'll be tackling the topic of talking to family and friends about using aversive tools or techniques with their dogs. Joining me is Jen from Oakland, California. Hi, Jen. Hi, I'm Jen. I am just a regular old dog parent, and you might know me as Kimet.cutie on Instagram. Uh, If you don't follow Kimet, please go do so because you can see some really excellent grass rolling content um, as well as general like confidence building and working with a, a nervous shy dog, which is like super awesome to see. We love it. So really excited to be chatting with you, Jen. I'm excited too. So the first thing I kind of wanted to do was talk about some definitions. So when we think about aversives, um, an aversive is a, a circumstance, an event, or a tool that causes pain or fear or emotional or physical discomfort. So in the context of training our dogs, we're often talking about tools or techniques that are applied to change a dog's behavior by stopping a particular behavior from happening or from the for or by making that behavior kind of unpleasant. So examples could be using a prong collar to stop a dog from pulling, um, using an e-collar to stop a dog from running too far for you. Um, different dogs can find different things to be aver- aversive, but certain circumstances and tools are more likely to be aversive than others. So if we think about kind of physical punishment, prong and choke collars, e-collars, all of those would fall under the umbrella of aversives. Now, the type of training that I do and the type of training that I know you do is what we would call R plus or positive reinforcement training. So that's training that relies on positive reinforcement. So we're adding something usually pleasant that increases the odds of a behavior happening in the future, right? So we have food, play, toys, um, things like sniffing or interaction with other people or dogs, if our dogs enjoy that. And we're avoiding intentionally using punishment. So things that are going to decrease the odds of a behavior happening, um, you know, collar corrections, yelling or raising our voices at our dogs, things like that. So um, I would actually love to know, how did you kind of get interested in the world of positive reinforcement training? Um, So Kimet is my first dog I've ever had. And when we got her, I had no idea about any of the different types of training. I had assumed like everybody just used treats and everyone. And all I knew was that I didn't want to use a prong collar or an e-collar on her. Um, really just ultimately wanted to be nice to her. And it, you know, we had heard about, you know, spraying your dog with water or um, I'd recently heard about spraying your dog with vinegar. And it's just, it just seems so, so mean. And like, I didn't want to um, do that to my own dog. And, and then um, we recommended a trainer who was positive reinforcement. um, But uh, when I was reading her site, I had no idea what she was talking about when it came to leash corrections and 
um, other types of punishment because she was saying that um, she absolutely wouldn't use any of that. And I was like, what are these things? (laughs) Um, So that was a really interesting, um, like, flood of knowledge that I got when I first got Kimet. And I just, I'm really glad I ended up where I did. I think um, it doesn't make me feel at all ashamed that I'm training her in this way. This Mm -hmm. is, it's always been, I'm, I never have to hide it. You know, I... I see a lot of people hiding prong collars with bandanas and everything. And it's, we don't have to do any of that, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think you're in a, a, I won't say a unique position, but you're in a position that I think is becoming more common that didn't used to be that way of pet parents who are, you know, starting off with positive reinforcement right away. Um, so when I got my dog Molly back in 2014, Oh gosh, what year is it? Yeah, in 2014. (laughs) Um, I was a pet parent. I wasn't a trainer yet. And I went to a local trainer like most people do when you get your first dog, you find whoever kind of has the best reviews or whoever resonates with you. Um, And it was someone that did use aversives and I didn't know anything different. Um, So I, you know, used a prong collar for walks. I would use sort of verbal corrections because that's what I was taught. And then I discovered the whole world of positive reinforcement and it really shifted my mindset. Um, So I'm what's called a crossover trainer. So it's someone who previously used aversives and now uses positive reinforcement and explicitly does not use aversives or punishment. Um, And even when I was using aversives, it wasn't necessarily because that was what I went out and I sought to use, but it was because that was the solution that was presented to me. Um, It was explained in kind of a logical way. And I didn't really know that there were other options. But I really love that there's more and more pet parents now that are able to start off with R plus training, start off with positive reinforcement, because I think it's, you know, I I get kind of gushy about positive reinforcement, because it makes me happy. And it makes my dogs happy. And we all get to feel kind of magical together. (laughs) Um, So I, I really am happy that I hope that your story is going to be one that more and more people are going to get to experience as time goes on. I think so as well. And I think um, there are a lot more resources out there now. And so when you um, were using aversives, were you a trainer or when did you make the switch? So I made the switch um, when I was an apprentice trainer. So I was interning under someone. I was apprenticing under someone. Um, so I wasn't taking on my own clients, but I was assisting with other clients. And um, I think one of my moments came when I was being asked to explain why prong collars should be used. And that was never something I was comfortable telling other people was here's a tool. Here's how you use it. This is why get comfortable with it because I wasn't fully comfortable with it. Um, so I sort of rapidly started to shift into more of a positive reinforcement mindset as I continued to learn and continue to do, you know, more research and finding really awesome training accounts on Instagram. (laughs) Um, And then by the time I opened my business, I had fully shifted into R plus training. So Rover Rehab, which is my business in New Jersey, we've only ever done positive reinforcement training, um, aiming for as force-free as possible. No fear, no force, no pain um, is our, is our underlying training methodology. You know, give me a bunch of treats and we'll change behavior and make everyone happy. (laughs) 
I think um, we would all like to learn that way. <laughs> hey, if somebody wants to also give me treats, I would not complain. Same here. <laughs> so I know one of the things that a lot of us sort of struggle with, especially if we're people that do use positive reinforcement with our own dogs, is seeing, you know, friends or family members who are using aversives. Um, so, you know, is that something that you've had experience with or that you know people who have had experience with? Yeah, I am. I see dogs out in the neighborhood all the time with aversives and people I know use prong collars. Um, I'm just, I don't know. I never know what to say. I, I don't feel like it's my place to step in. Um, I feel like yours is a little different as a dog trainer um, with professional credentials. Me, I just feel like I'm just like judging them as a parent and, which I might be, but <laughs> it's also, um, I, yeah, I just never feel like it's my place. Mm-hmm. And I think you're probably not the only, you know, pet parent, pet guardian that feels that way of feeling like you do have, you know, really good information, but you don't quite know how to pass that along in a way that's going to be received well by someone. Right. right. Like that can right. be hard, especially when it's people that are close to us, if it is, you know, family members or friends. Um, and, you know, as as someone who probably was that person at one point who was out walking my dog on a prong collar, I never really had anyone say anything to me. But I honestly don't know if at that time, if someone had come up and said, hey, you know, ditch your prong collar, you should just be using treats. I don't know how receptive I would have been to that because it would have been a stranger, (laughs) you know, (laughs) if it's out on the street. But I do think that especially if it's someone that we already have a relationship with, like friends and family, we do have some cool opportunities to like plant the seeds of other options. Right. Right. Um, You know, one of the things I think about a lot is we do it with our dogs is like meeting them where they are. So, you know, if most pet parents are not reaching for aversive tools or techniques because they want to hurt their dog, they don't want to make their dog uncomfortable. They're reaching for them because they need a solution for a problem that they're having. And this is the solution that's presented itself, whether it's, you know, them walking into a pet store and seeing an ad for an e-collar and going, oh yeah, this ticks the boxes of what I'm looking for. Or if it's going to a trainer who says, hey, here's a prong collar. This will solve all your problems with your dog pulling you on a walk. Um, you know, it. as I'm sure you know, searching for dog training information on the internet can be very overwhelming, right? Right. <laughs> and I, um, I had volunteered at the local animal shelter in the past, and they had us use prong collars. So it almost felt like they're the professionals. Sure. Who am I to question it? Sure, Yeah. And, you know, I, I can see that happening at shelters too, who, you know, the, the staff might just not have access to more up-to-date information, or they might be working with dogs where, you know, their, their training tells them that they need to handle bigger, stronger dogs in a certain way. Um, Even though, you know, as a trainer, I now know that that's not true. It can be hard to relay that information to other people when you don't feel like you are the subject matter expert in the room. Right. And I definitely, the prong collars were used on the pit bulls and not the little dogs. Mm -hmm. And so there was, 
you know, a lot of a little bit of discrimination there. Like they're the they're the ones who are harder to control, and it it put in my mind that it it was okay. Like you know, they definitely told us it doesn't hurt them. But I guess the point is like we don't decide what hurts the dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point because you're totally right. We don't decide what's going to make every dog uncomfortable. The dog decides, right? right. Um, you know, there are there are some dogs that are perfectly comfortable wearing a harness the first time you put it on them, and other ones take a little getting used to just because it's a new object. There are some dogs that are perfectly comfortable playing with toys as you know <laughs> uh, whether they're in your house or out in the town other dogs don't there are some dogs that are going to be totally terrified if you raise your voice at them the tiniest amount there's going to be other dogs that it does not phase them one bit so <laughs> um you know it, it very much is dependent on the dog but you know we do know that there are some things that are going to be inherently more uncomfortable just because of the way that they're designed. So part of the job of, I think, R plus trainers in particular, you know, those of us that do have the qualifications is to work to show people that, yes, technically you can get some results with things like, you know, I'll say a prong collar, for example, but there are better options that aren't as aversive, right? We can always, we can always strive for that. So how would you bring it up with somebody who um, you did have a close relationship with and you, they came over to your house with a prong collar on the dog, not them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If they were wearing the prong collar, I think I would have additional questions, but they probably wouldn't be related to dog training and mostly just, just questions. I mean, Hey, you do you, that's your choice, but (laughs) (laughs) um. I mean, I think the first thing is to start with compassion. You know, it can be hard for those of us who are really invested in the world of positive reinforcement to see people using a tool that we know can be detrimental. Um, But starting with compassion is key. So, you know, not running up to the person and ripping the prong collar out of their hands and telling them they're terrible because that's not going to get anyone anywhere and also isn't, you know, accurate. They're again, they're not doing it because they're trying to make their dog uncomfortable. They're doing it because they have a problem that needs solving. Um so, you know, for me I like to ask questions. Um you know, oh, you know, I see you're using a prong collar. How, you know, what what problem are you looking to solve? Uh, you know, does your dog pull on walks? Are they reactive? Kind of feel out what the situation is. Um, and then offering alternatives, but in a way that reserves judgment. So I, my default mode tends to be that I get really excited about the cool stuff that exists, especially on the internet. So, which just says a lot about me as a person, I think. Um, But you, you know, can say, hey, that's really, you know, I totally understand that problem that you're having. Um, Have you ever seen there's this really cool alternative method to handling this issue? I'm going to send you this, you know, super interesting YouTube video or a link to this blog or an Instagram account for someone that is encountering this issue and has made a huge amount of progress. Like, check it out. I think you'd find it interesting Um, because it taps into a little bit of the education and the learning as opposed to the judgment, even if we're feeling a lot of feelings about it. (laughs) 
um, you know, offering alternatives in a way that is a presenting of information. And then if they want to check it out, they can check it out. Um, you know, the big thing is we can't really force people to change. Same with our dogs. We can't force them to do stuff. It backfires, right? We know this, (laughs) but we can be there to support them when they are ready to make those changes. Right. Yeah. I followed another R plus account for a while and she posted about how, she had a friend who um, was using balance methods, but because she never um, actively, you know, insulted her or like told her that she was doing it wrong and just like continued posting all the great, amazing progress she made with R plus it really inspired this friend of theirs. And they eventually made the switch. I think um, really leading by example shows a lot. You know, I, um, could have very easily slapped a prong collar on Kimet and forced her to do anything because she's very fearful and any sort of punishment would would work. Um, but I think um, I think people see the relationship that we have and it's definitely not based on fear. And I mm-hmm. really like that. Um, yeah. And, you know, I... I've told people this story before, but you know, my, so my dog, Molly, um, who's the one who's been with us since 2014. She, she and I had, a, you know, I definitely would have described it as a great relationship even when I was using aversives. Like we hung out all the time. <laughs> we snuggled a lot. She, you know, she and I were together basically all day, every day. We went for walks every single day. We played, um, you know, we did training. We, I would have described it absolutely as a, as a great relationship. And I still would describe it that way, but I didn't even realize how much more there could be until I crossed over. Um, and so, you know, I call it like blossoming, like our relationship just blossomed even more. Like we had a foundation, it was totally there, but you know, ditching aversives really gave that relationship the opportunity to expand even in ways that I wouldn't have thought be possible, Um, which is super rewarding for me too. And, you know, it also, that's another thing that we can do with people that are close to us is, you know, talk about all of the wonderful things you see with your own dog Mm -hmm. by using positive reinforcement right? Like doesn't even have to be about the other person. Just (laughs) tell them everything that's wonderful (laughs) (laughs) about your dog and their life and how your life has benefited from it. Um, You know, I mean, I'm sure that if I asked you like, how has, how has Kemet changed since you started implementing positive reinforcement? I'm sure you could wax poetic about that. Right. I, could talk endlessly about how much it's benefited us. Um, I think, you know, I can see her behavior. Like if I accidentally step on the leash or something, she all of a sudden like gets really small and she's just like, like you, you see the same fear that she had when she like, um, when we first got her, but you know, it's, she sees that it's not intentional, which is, I think very helpful. Um, but I think this also goes along the lines of how pet parents reach for aversives, not because they want to hurt their dog. Um, it's 
I feel like that foundation that you had with Molly was, it's already there. Like you are a great dog parent. Like you're just trying your best, right? Like totally with, with the tools that you have. And I think it's very important to approach somebody in that way. Like they just, they're just trying their best and you may not, um, you may know that there are better ways, but maybe they don't. And yeah, totally. You know, we only, we only know what we know. (laughs) And, you know, even me as a professional, I still learn new stuff every day. So you can't expect, you know, we can't all expect every single pet parent to know all of the things, right? Right. But we can, we can totally start introducing them to more of the things (laughs) in a way that is, is, you know, based in kindness and compassion, just the same way that we want to do with our dogs. You know, people need positive reinforcement too. People need kind of that same approach and it can be hard, you know, if we're, feeling very strongly about something <laughs> which happens yeah um you know but it's it's really i think it behooves us to sort of channel that those big feelings into kindness and empowering people with information and then you know like you were saying about the person that you know when they're ready to learn and make that shift they already have an established you know person that they can go to to talk about it who they know is you know not going to be judgmental is going to be supportive of them as they make that transition which is super cool in my opinion yeah i find that that's even better like oh you sought out my advice yeah and then you get to be the little bit of like the subject matter expert for helping with that transition, which is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Um, I don't think we've convinced anybody yet, but maybe one day. You know, I always think that there might be people that you don't even know about and that they might credit you for helping them change that mindset. Even again, like thanks to the internet. <laughs> again, Kimet's Instagram is very adorable. <laughs> she does most of the work. <laughs> that's great <laughs> <laughs> she has to pay for rent somehow <laughs> she pays for rent in uh being adorable i think is how that works yeah 100 percent. right <laughs> um yeah i think i think those are some good tips for having to talk to somebody um i i know um on my work Slack instance, they definitely, we have a dog channel and they definitely give out a lot of training tips on there. Mm-hmm. I don't, I never actively uh, disagree with anybody on there, but that's where people are like, you know, prong collars mimic a mom's, a d- mom dog biting their neck or correcting mm-hmm. them. Or that's where I heard the advice about spraying vinegar, your dog barking. Right. And that's like, Oh, would you like that? Anyway, <laughs> I could say a lot of snarky things, but I choose not to because it's work. Um, but instead, like if anybody asks for training advice, I'll point them towards our plus resources, trainers in the area, and hoping one day somebody's just going to listen. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's a good example, too, of, you know, sometimes we have to pick our battles. If 
if we all spent all of our time trying to fight back against every piece of bad advice that was put out on Slack, on Facebook, you know, we, that would be a full-time job. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, it's kind of picking your battles. I love that you pointed out, you know, if people ask for training advice, you can point them in the direction and you never know, maybe someone who is, wasn't even the original poster, but somebody who was reading that thread was reading through the advice being given and it didn't really sit right. And then they see a link to an R plus trainer and they go to their website and go, Oh, this feels better. And this is the thing I'm going to do with my own dog. You know, I think yeah. there's a lot of little ways we can send out that ripple. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Um, and hopefully nobody listens to spraying vinegar at your dog. <laughs> yes. Cause... Please don't spray vinegar at your dog. That's my general PSA. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants vinegar in their face. Nobody wants vinegar in their face. Yeah, especially and surprise vinegar. That's right. Surprise vinegar is even worse. Yeah, so if you're feeling like you're in a situation where you are, you know, thinking that spraying vinegar is going to solve your problem, you know, reach out to a rewards-based trainer because I guarantee they're going to have, you know, multiple methods that you can use that are going to feel better for you and feel better for your dog. Yeah. And I think anything with the caveat that says, it's okay, it doesn't hurt the dog. Mm-hmm. I, it just feels a little icky. And if it, I feel like if it feels a little icky, um, maybe go in a different direction. Yeah. And, you know, that brings up sort of one more point that I'll make, which is that if you are a pet guardian and someone is telling you to do something with your dog that doesn't quite sit right with you, listen to that. You know, we, we know what feels right for us to do with our dogs, what feels comfy. And if you are getting advice from someone and you're like, "Mm, this doesn't quite sit right, look for other options because you're going to find someone that resonates with you. You're going to find someone that makes you feel good and comfortable about the way that you're training. And that's going to only be beneficial for you and for your dog. Yeah. We had advice from a groomer, um, you know, Kimet is very fearful around strangers. And so she was actively avoiding this groomer and um, we were on a busy street and it was just like a really difficult time for her. And the groomer's like, she's acting like this because you're giving her too much slack on the leash. And I was like, I really don't think so, but um, we don't see her anymore. And it's apparent why, like I, you know, I couldn't go in with her because of COVID and it just, I have no idea what's happening behind these doors. So it's, it was really important us to, for us to find a force free groomer, which we did. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's a great example of you getting advice and going, mm, that doesn't feel right. <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> And, you know, that person might have just, that's probably what they were taught. And so that's the information they give. And that happens. But it's great that you were able to uh, find a different option that you felt you feel better about. Right? Yeah. Definitely. We like that. <laughs> <laughs> we like feeling good about the the way that we train and the things we do with our dogs. And, you know, like I said, even with Molly and I previously, I would have said that I felt pretty okay about it. Um, because I didn't know nearly as much then as I know now. And now, you know, I feel awesome about all of the training that we do. I feel awesome about our interactions. I feel awesome about (laughs) how she seems to feel. (laughs) (laughs) 
Like, oh, these spiky things aren't around my neck anymore? Cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we like that. All right. So normally we would have a Q&A session from questions submitted from Discord. But since we don't have Discord yet, is there anything else? I guess like when is when does it using aversives cross over to being dangerous? Ooh, that's a good question. Like when would you consider like when would you step in because it's a safety issue? So I would say for me as a trainer, um, you know, because I will get people that come to me that are currently using, say, a prong collar and we're working to transition to a different tool. Um if I had someone come in and they were giving really harsh leash corrections and I was seeing dogs that were having a physical reaction that were vocalizing quite a lot, or if I saw dogs that were getting injured in any way, um, that's the point where I would absolutely stand up and say, nope, we're not doing that. Um, honestly, even if I have people that come in with prong colors, we ditch corrections right away, <laughs> just in general. Um you know, if I, if I ever see someone that, you know, hits their dog in front of me, I'm absolutely going to say something about that because that's not something that I find acceptable. Um, you know, if you're a pet parent, part of that I think is going to come down to what is your relationship with the person that you're seeing? What's your comfort level in the context that you're observing it in? So, you know, if it's a family member who smacks their dog when their dog tries to put their feet up on the counter, uh, you know, for me, as if I'm not in trainer brain, I would still say that's a situation where I'd say, hey, we don't have to hit your dog, you know, and then maybe move the dog into a different space to have them not have to be in that situation. Um, you know, if you're a pet parent and you're walking down the street and you see someone who's leash correcting their dog and they're a stranger and it's just you and them, not everyone's comfort level is going to be approaching that person and saying, hey, don't, you know, use a harsh leash correction on your dog for, you know, a myriad of reasons. Um, so I think part of it comes down to comfort level, but any situation where you see if a dog is, you know, actively being <laughs> injured or someone is being really harsh with them, I think you do have an opportunity to even gently say, you know, Hey, we don't have to, we don't have to operate like that. Um, or, you know, please don't do that. It's upsetting to me <laughs> is another option. <laughs> yeah. I think that those are good tips. And it can be hard. You know, we it, it's a balance sometimes. My hope is that as training continues to shift, we'll see less and less of those situations where we're feeling like we have to say something. You know, but it, it, it certainly can be tough. But the more we can get education out there, I think the better off we'll be in the future. Great. Those are all important Um things to keep in mind if we come across it. Yeah, absolutely. So I think if anybody has questions about aversives or about kind of how to handle conversations with friends, with family members, um, or if you're interested in switching over from using aversives and you want to try to introduce more R plus training in your life, uh, reach out to a certified or qualified rewards-based trainer in your area. You can also uh, reach out to me on Instagram at Rover Rehab NJ. Um, you can find us here on Patreon. And if you want to get in touch, please feel free to do so. Awesome. Well, thanks, Jen. This was very fun. 
And uh, I think an important topic and one that doesn't necessarily get talked about super often. So thanks for sharing your thoughts. And thank you for sharing all the important tips that we all have for the future. We hope you enjoyed this episode. New Make It Click episodes are released once a month on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening now, so make sure to hit subscribe to find out when new episodes drop. If you're enjoying our chat so far, I'd love it if you'd consider joining us on Patreon. Patreon members receive exclusive access to an additional full-length episode each month, Q&A and live office hours with me, and access to other fun and helpful community resources. You can learn more about supporting the podcast and joining the Make It Click Club community at patreon.com slash makeitclick. And make sure to follow us on Instagram at makeitclick.club for episode updates and training info. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.